0: So over the, the course of the past several weeks, I've been having a lot of discussions with our college students and realizing that a majority of those who are in college four years ago were not 18 years old. They were not eligible to vote in the presidential election. So a lot of them have been coming to me sort of very nervous, very anxious, voting for the first time and wanting to know what they should vote for, how they should vote, looking for some type of guidance in all of these things. And what's nice is, or what I think is impressive, is that they really want to be responsible. They want to be responsible in making the right choice. They realize that living in a representative democracy is a great blessing that comes with many responsibilities. And and so, what I try to do is suggest to them, what are some of the issues you should be looking at, where the candidates stand on these issues, what are some of the values that are important. But what I've found in encouraging them to look up a lot of these things is that it's overwhelming. There's someone who is brand new trying to research what a candidate stands for, what an amendment means. What is the church's position on something? What is the history of this certain political issue? It's very, very confusing because they wanna vote on issues. They're not interested in voting against someone because they don't like them or because some figurehead on social media told them to vote in a certain way. But the guidelines and the resources are completely overwhelming. And so what I've been doing though, besides maybe suggesting a couple of things that I think are fairly bipartisan or fairly neutral to look at, is encouraging them to look at what I want to call the bigger picture. That's what I kind of look at today. The bigger picture are a lens that we as, I think Catholics, but probably most Christians and believers should have, not only when it comes to addressing political issues, but it comes to addressing the world. To call it a paradigm or a worldview of a way of looking at and perceiving reality. And before we start looking at the different issues or looking at the different candidates, we've got to be sure of our worldview. We've got to be sure of our paradigm in order to be able to interpret how we should stand or what we believe is important and this upcoming election or other sort of political and social issues. And I think we can sort of divide the two worldviews, the different worldviews, into two main categories. One is a secular worldview. This is a worldview, and you've heard me talk about different elements of it before, that does not recognize God, that doesn't recognize the spiritual, that doesn't recognize the metaphysical. All we have is the world. All we have is created reality, that there is nothing beyond it. And that's a secular worldview. It has its own values. That's the lens a lot of people look at the world through, many politicians and a majority of the individuals in the media and that are power brokers in our nation and in universities. The other is a religious worldview. We call it a transcendent worldview. Regardless if you're Christian or Catholic, that you believe there is a God and you believe that he acts in the world. And as crazy as things may be, there's still an ardor that's established. There's still rules and regulations. There's still a belief in a higher power and that we are somehow created in his likeness and are called to act in accord with his law. Nothing nothing necessarily is by chance, but there's a purpose to what happens in the world. And it's this one that we as Christians ought to adopt. There may be different nuances in it, but there's no way, shape, or form a Christian or a Catholic can have a secular worldview. It just doesn't work. It's completely incompatible with what we believe. But if we're gonna adopt this worldview that is Christian, that is religious and faith-filled, well, how do, what are the elements of it? What are some of the important questions that we need to be asking ourselves to flesh out that worldview? And as I was praying about it, I realized that we could take everything or the main basic questions that I think that we need to ask or the elements that need to be a part of this worldview in today's gospel in the twofold commandment to love god and to love neighbor and that's what i want to look at today particularly maybe for students who are going to be voting for the very very first time but for all of us there's a challenge for us to say do we truly adopt a religious worldview or a secular worldview and in our religious worldview what are the important things that we need to be addressing particularly when it comes to political and social issues. The first, of course, is love of God. To love God, put him above all things, to love him with our entire being. A person who believes in God actively and a higher power, however you conceive him, is going to look at reality in a radically different way than someone who doesn't. And someone who doesn't. Does it mean that the person who believes in God is not going to believe in science and technology and reason? Not at all. We're going to view the world and reality in a different way. The one who doesn't believe in God. The secular worldview basically sees today that science is all that matters. Technology is what gives us power over the world. It's an empirical worldview. The world is made up of raw material that can be analyzed, and can be manipulated. And we as humans, I said this earlier this summer, we're just random products of evolution. There's really no purpose, no end to our existence. And so as a result, if we want meaning in our world, particularly ethical meaning, we've got to give it. We've got to make it. We have to take it from our own minds and put it, it's sort of a category on the world. We have to give the world meaning because it has no meaning other than what we give it. And so any ethical system, any political system, is going to be generated by a culture or by individuals. It's going to be completely subjective, completely relative, not something that is grounded in reality. And that's the difference between those who adopt the religious worldview. The one who sees that there is a God and he is active in the world and he has an order in the world is that we see holiness, we see sacredness, we see structure, and we see order. That we can use our reason to perceive truth. Not only the rules of the universe that help us come about and give us science and technology, but we perceive an order in our bodies. And the ways that we ought to behave. I're not going to get into it philosophically, but we believe we can get an ought from it is. But there are rules, ways that we should act, and a lot of it is rooted in the gift of human reason and the dignity of the human person. And so as a result, the way that we construct our vision and vision, Ethics and politics and society is not some arbitrary set of rules imposed by an individual, but we, with our reason, perceive them in reality, and we construct our own ethics and we construct our own laws in accord with that objective reality that exists, that God put there. Granted, it may be difficult to see at times. We may have to argue a little bit about it, but the fact is, we don't claim authority over it. We're there just to interpret it and make our laws in respect to it. Because the problem is, if we do not see it that way, and if we have that secular worldview, then guess what? It's all about power. We're going to make the rules and laws to do what we want when we want, because there's no higher law to answer to. And the people who have a secular worldview have nothing else to appeal to if they concede to that. The people with a religious worldview have nothing else to concede to if they adopt the secular worldview. That's the important thing. If we have love of God above all things that we see God has put an order in this world. And so we had look at the issues. Do these people believe in God? Are these rules rooted in the rules that come from God and the order in creation, or is it something that's just made up in order for people to gain power, to gain money, to gain authority? So important where God and the supernatural fits into one's political worldview. I'm not arguing that we should have some sort of theocracy, but at least that we ought to have individuals who recognize that there's a power beyond themselves. Because when governments don't do that, they wrest the power for themselves, and it usually ends up getting ugly. The second thing is love of neighbor. We are called to love our neighbor. Over the course of the week, i was been reading a lot of Pope Benedict. It's just refreshing to read him so clear and concise and precise in his writing and thinking, and he's talking about, this is back in the early 90s, what he'd noticed in the course of the, the, the preceding decades this renewed interest or push for social justice, for issues of dealing with poverty and injustice in the world. And a lot of the times, a lot of protests and riots, many of them that were happening in the 60s and the 70s, not only in the US, but across the world. And he says that these are good things. It's good that we're awakened to these values the values of justice, the dignity of the human person, economic and social and political issues. But the problem, he says, is that whenever we emphasize that, or the side that tends to emphasize that, whether it be, I'm going to say, whether it be like social issues that are traditional social justice or even pro-life issues. Because a pro-life issue is also a social justice issue. When we focus on those, it's really easy to protest. And they say we need to change these things, and they're wrong, and we need a new way of doing things. But the reality is, what's the impetus for us to change? Oh, we need these things to be changed, but we're not changing our lives. We as individuals are not going to lift a finger ourselves to make a difference. Oh, that's the government's responsibility. Oh, are the responsibility of those people that I don't like over there. Where is the personal motivating force? And that becomes the real problem. Are we willing to make the sacrifices necessary in our own lives to create a more just society, regardless of what the issue is? Or do we want to shove it off to somewhere else? Or do we want to virtue signal on the internet and let everybody know how much we care about this, but our own lives are moral wrecks? Our own lives are moral wrecks. This is a very, very serious problem because it's easy to love humanity as a whole but very difficult to love the person who is in front of you. And so what happens is that temptation, regardless of the political side, left or right, that we sit on, we can sit here and say, we care about life, we care about justice, we care about racism, but guess what? We're going to let the government handle it. We're going to let those people deal with it We're going to let them take our tax money and take all of this and take zero personal responsibility. Now, the government has an obligation. It's a very serious obligation to provide for its people. But there are many things that the government can't provide. And one of the main things is love and care and compassion and respect for the person in front of us. This is the love of neighbor that Jesus calls us to. And so we've got to ask ourselves, does this political party, does this candidate does this political system really promote personal responsibility and human connection and the love of neighbor, or does it give us a way to sit and complain about all kinds of injustices and things that are wrong, but may slough it off for someone else to take care of, put the burden on someone else, can't be acceptable political system that does not put love of neighbor, it's central, and the dignity of the human person can't work. And third, and finally, I know I'm getting into a lot of details. I'm not going to be here next weekend, so I might as well make it worth it. (laughs) Is that our love of neighbor is dependent on our love of self. Not a narcissistic, navel-gazing love, but a right-ordered love of self. Why is this important? We need to love ourselves because we're creating the image and likeness of God. We have a dignity that comes by means of our very existence. And that dignity comes where? From God, not from a government, not from a political system, not by any laws that a government makes. It comes from God. And yeah, we need to have good psychological health and emotional health. All of these things help us to better love others. Because if we don't love ourselves, we really can't love others. But I want to talk about the real way that this love of self is expressed. And it's expressed, the dignity of the human person is expressed in the exercise of freedom. Freedom is a word that we hear over and over and over again, but a secular worldview and a religious worldview are gonna have two different concepts of freedom. One, that freedom is grounded in truth. Freedom is grounded in human nature. Freedom is grounded in the dignity of the human person and that we grow in freedom when we respect God's laws, when we act within the context of our own human nature and we grow in virtue. Does it mean there are certain things we're not going to be able to choose or we ought not choose? Absolutely, because we know they're not good for human flourishing. That's one type of freedom, the freedom of the religious. The other is complete autonomy. No restrictions. Not even the restrictions of human nature. Not even the restrictions of the objective reality of our own bodies. I determine what is free. I can have no restrictions. It must be exercised completely autonomously. If I want to have sex, I'm going to have it with, when, where, and who I want. If I want money, it doesn't matter. I don't need any restrictions telling me how I can or can't acquire money, nor how I can or can't acquire power. Yeah, this is a big problem in the area of sexuality, but it's also a big problem in the area of finance and economics. It's egoism that says, I can do whatever I can to further my own economic interest. It's not just but it's based on a false sense of freedom that sees no restrictions. And so, you've got to look again at these political parties, at these stances. What vision of freedom is behind this? Because I can assure you that you can look at different issues and the different sides of the different interpretations of issues, and you can see the vision of freedom very clearly that is rooted in their concept of who the human person is. And so it all boils down to three basic questions. And these are the questions I think we all have to address ourselves, not only in this election, but in any election, or when we address or we sort of think about culture and society as a whole. First, where do rights come from? Do they come from God or do they come from government? Are they man-made? I'll give you a hint, they come from God. And as Americans, you better know this because this is why we exist. I mean, come on. The United States exists because we said that the king does not dictate rights, at least all the rights. God has some that you cannot take away. And all of a sudden, if we're going to deny that reality, deny the very basis of what our representative democracy was founded on, it's insanity to deny that. It is. But then again, we live in an insane world. I'm assuming that people are using their reason here, which is probably a bad assumption, because you know what happens when you assume. Second is personal responsibility. Do these issues that these policies promote personal responsibility, love of neighbor, the promotion of certain duties along with our rights. And to ask ourselves, what are we doing? How are we getting involved? How are we changing things, especially locally? What is the witness to love that these policies encourage the individual to bring in their local community And third, and finally, what is the vision of freedom? One that's unchecked, satisfying our own desires selfishly, or one that respects a moral law and helps us to grow in virtue as citizens and as Christians? So, I want us to pray our novena. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to be prayerful citizens I also want us to be thoughtful citizens and give you a zillion quotes for a populace that does not think about issues these citizens are very easily manipulated very easily very easily think through these things do your research know the basic underpinnings and then we can be upstanding Catholics and responsible citizens amen